This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by the 5-Day Money Challenge. Get your stuff together with money and increase your confidence in just five days. Save your seat at WhitneyHanson.com slash money challenge and join in on the fun. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. What's up, guys? I hope you're having a great Wednesday. I am really excited about today's topic because it's talking all about getting back to the basics, specifically with becoming a financial minimalist. Now, let me give you some context of where my journey to minimalism or where my interest really started from, because this sounds really strange, but it came from me being frustrated with myself. So I went through this phase maybe about three, four years ago where I looked at my dishes in the sink and was legit pissed off. Like, yes, these dishes in my sink really irritated me so much because I was looking around and at that time, my little brother was renting a room from me as well. So there were three people in my household and our sink was totally full of dishes. And I remember looking at that and thinking, what the crap? Like, why are there so many dishes for just three people? This is ridiculous. And what I started to do was say, you know what? I'm sick of this crap. I'm just going to get rid of most of my dishes and keep it very, very simple. Just a few plates for each, you know, different size, minimal coffee cups. That hurt my heart because I actually was attached to my coffee cups. I would choose a coffee cup based on my mood for the day. I mean, I still do that to an extent, but this is where it all started. I was frustrated and tired of doing more work. (laughs) for the dishes. And when I say this out loud, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it put me through this whole spurt where I started to declutter a lot. I started to declutter all my dishes. I started to go through and get rid of extra clothes that I didn't need. I didn't need 5 million t-shirts that I got at conferences. I started to really simplify my entire life. And that was so freeing. So that was my whole journey to minimalism. And then as I started to get interested in minimalism and just living with less, just reducing that clutter around me so that I could actually think and, you know, do things differently. It just, it made me feel better when I came into my house to not have tons of trinkets and tons of crap all over. Like it, it just started to give me a little bit more peace of mind. And I started to think through what does minimalism for your financial life look like? How would that be perceived? Now I have to talk about this for a sec because a lot of people think that minimalism means getting rid of literally all of your possessions 
getting rid of all of your clothes, only having five t-shirts. Like we think that it's this extreme level. And I don't think it needs to be that because ultimately what I have found a minimalist is just a person who has an interest in keeping things simple. It's about being resourceful. It's about how can you experience more with less? That's what minimalism is all about. And so for your financial life, it's a simple, uncomplicated approach to managing your money. Financial minimalism is all about how do I simplify this? So this episode, we're going to unpack a few different ways and some strategies that you can do. You may not like all of these and you don't have to. That's kind of the beauty of life as you get to pick and choose what you apply to your own life. But I'm going to give you 10 different tips to living a more financially minimalist life. Now, before I do that, I have to just share something with you. When I was younger, this just like goes to show like what, where my mindset was before my whole goal was I was going to go to college. I was going to graduate college and I was going to reward myself by buying a brand new Camaro. Like, I think I've talked about this before in the podcast, but this was my mindset. I wanted to buy myself a new Camaro as a gift for graduating college for being, I was a first generation college student. So it meant a lot to me, but legit, I was convincing myself that I deserved something brand new and something nice and something material as a way to give myself a pet on the back for this really cool accomplishment. So the piece to note here is that I mistakenly assumed that the best way to reward myself was to spend money on material stuff. Do you see the flaw here? I think a lot of us have fallen into that trap before where maybe it's, we feel like we should reward ourselves or we deserve a bigger, nicer home or a bigger, nicer car or a sweet swanky vacation. We convince ourselves that we deserve material stuff. But what I've learned is that seeking happiness through stuff is a losing battle. Nobody wins in that scenario, except for the people that are getting the profits. They win for sure. But we don't personally win from that. Happiness does not come from stuff. And I think once you dive into what the purpose of money is, it starts to become very apparent. So in preparation for this episode, I asked that exact question. What's the purpose of money? Like, what, what is this stuff all about? And what I have learned is that money isn't necessarily meant to be spent to prove that we, you know, quote unquote, made it or to fill deficiencies in our lives. And sometimes I find that a lot of times money can be used in a negative way. Sometimes it's to try to buy love and friendship. I see a lot of parents do this too. They, they feel like they have to buy their kids everything that they didn't have when they were kids. And this is something my dad did this. He grew up with even less than I did. It was crazy. He grew up in a really, really rough scenario, but I remember he, that was his way of expressing love. It truly was, was he thought he had to buy people's love. And that's real sad. It's really, really sad because ultimately that's not what we wanted as kids. Like, cool. You know, we loved when he would buy us stuff. Who's going to say no to that, especially as a kid, but more than anything, we wanted him to spend time with us. We wanted affection. We wanted the quality time. That's what we truly wanted. That's how you truly feel love but he was trying to buy that love. And I see a lot of people do this with friendships. Maybe you go out to dinner and you feel like you have to pick up the tab for your friends because that's your way of almost buying friendships sometimes. And I know nobody would actually directly say that because it feels weird, but sometimes that's what we're doing. So getting back to that, the purpose of money is not to buy love. It's not to buy friendship. It's not to prove that we made it. It's not to prove anything to anyone because frankly, no one has a right to have that control over us. Nobody has that right. 
And sometimes we give up that control a little bit too easy because we feel like we have something to prove. You have nothing to prove. Like you truly have nothing to prove to anybody but yourself. You're the only one that really matters how you feel about stuff. And so I think it's, it's okay to want nice things. It's okay to want material stuff. That's not meaning like never want that stuff, but it's that intention behind it. Are you wanting it for you or are you wanting it to prove something to other people? And that's where it comes down to. So the purpose of money is that it is just a really powerful tool and it gives us freedom and options. That's the purpose of money is to give you freedom and to give you options. It doesn't mean always having every single thing that you want. In fact, that's, that's life, right? We all have limited resources. Even if you're Beyonce, you still have limited resources. Sounds a little different. I know you're like, yeah, right. Beyonce with her millions of dollars per day. Sure. Not the same as somebody making 50, $60,000 a year. I get that. However, it is still a limited resource. So it's a tool that gives us freedom and options and the purpose of money is to honor that, honor that, that choice, that freedom and those options. And we honor it by not blowing through it as fast as we get it. And so that's the intentionality behind money is when you start to get very, very down to the basics of like, what's the purpose of money? How does it show up in your life? How do you treat it? That's when you really start to uncover some of your, your true beliefs and what your actual feelings on money is. So it's really important to ask that question of what is the purpose of money and remind you that it's not to just buy whatever the crap you want in the moment. Like sure, that feels good in the moment, but it's not about that. It's about giving yourself freedom and options and having that honor for money. And I think a lot of times we think that money is meant to be spent, which is why we sometimes will spend it as fast as we get it. Or we think that money is meant to buy nice things. So again, we spend it as fast as we get it, but that's really not at the core. That's not really what it's about. So let's dive into some, some tips. These are 10 tips that are going to help you become more of a financial minimalist. And I want you to embrace as many of these as feel right to you. Again, these are just some tips. These are guidances. It's not like the end all be all, but I hope it does inspire you in some way and makes you really understand how this could be applied to your own life. We all have room for improvement. Heavens knows we do. (laughs) So hopefully this does trigger something for you. The first tip to becoming a financial minimalist is tracking your spending. This is such a basic personal finance concept. And why is it tied to financial minimalism? Because for most people, simply paying attention and tracking your spending, it's enough to keep you in the loop. It's enough to give you that basic understanding of what's going on. And when you start to check your accounts and you start to track your spending and you start to pay attention, you're going to get better results. What gets measured gets results. And that's so important. So if you are just tracking your spending, that's a really, really great start on your journey to becoming a financial minimalist. Tip number two is to train yourself to find the best value. For some reason, actually marketing (laughs) reasons, we seem to think that value equals cost. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. I see this all the freaking time when it comes to car shopping, house shopping, clothes shopping. It is not necessarily the case. Value does not equal costs. So let me give you a really great perspective of how I'm applying this to my own life. One of the things that I have been doing is slowly transferring some of my coats and upgrading some of my wardrobe over the years. It's been something I've been trying really hard and I save a little bit of money here and there doing it. But I have found that most of the time, those really great pieces of staples in my wardrobe have came from thrift stores. 
It is not about spending thousands of dollars on stuff. It's about finding ways to be resourceful with that. So here's another example of that. I have been getting Patagonia is like my, my company. Like that is my brand. I love everything that they do. I really align with the company mission and I like to be outdoors and their stuff tends to be fairly lightweight for backpacking. So it's really helpful. But I don't know if you know this, Patagonia stuff tends to be incredibly expensive. In my opinion, overpriced expensive, but you know, again, who's to say? If they're getting the, the money for that and they have the brand equity, then obviously it's worth it to some people. Not to me, <laughs> because I, do, I know that value does not equal cost. I don't have to buy something brand new to get equivalent costs. So here's what I did. I bought a new Patagonia coat. It's like one of those little puffer coats that are super lightweight, really awesome. It wasn't the exact color I wanted, but you know what? I can get over that. It's fine. So what I did is I went to rei.com and on their used gear section, they actually have stuff that people bought and didn't necessarily want. So they're selling it. So I was able to pick up a Patagonia coat for like $80 and it's normally a $200 coat. So that was a really good way to see that you can still get the exact same thing without spending that much in the cost. Another thing that I recently did is I purchased a Patagonia fleece uh, button-up jacket thing for, for backpacking as well. And this thing typically costs $120 brand new. Again, not the color I would necessarily choose, but again, who gives a crap? If I'm saving some money and I get that same type of value, it doesn't really matter. But I was looking on Facebook Marketplace and I found the jacket, the little fleece sweater that I wanted for $30. $30, not exactly the color I wanted, but it sure as heck beats spending $120 plus on something that... It, I, you don't need to spend that much to get the same type of benefit from it. Do you see what I mean? So that's one way that you can really train yourself is that the best value does not mean you have to spend the most money. That's not necessarily the case. Now I gave an example of clothing, but of course this can be applied to anything. I did the same exact thing when it came to car shopping. I thought for sure that I wanted a more expensive car. I wanted an SUV. And once I started to dive into it, what was truly important to me was something that was reliable, something that got me around that was outdoor friendly and ultimately within my price range. So I had to switch brands of cars. I had to go to something that wasn't necessarily my dream car, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What really matters is getting me from point A to point B safely. That's it. And that doesn't have to cost $50,000 for a brand new SUV. Like it just doesn't have to be that way. So that is one of my favorite tips out of all of these is to train yourself to find the best value. Now, tip number three to becoming a financial minimalist is to guard your biggest resource, time. We go to work every single day and we trade time for money. That's what we're doing. We're giving up some of our most precious resource, our time, the only thing we don't get more of. We can always remake money. We can always do that stuff, but we cannot get back our time. And that is why it's so critical that you do guard that biggest resource. And that is mostly why I'm really very anti-personal debt, because I understand that for so many people, debt directly conflicts with freedom and options. It takes away our time. So here's how it takes away our time. Most people a lot of people are going to a job that they truly hate. They don't love it, but they spend 40 plus hours a week at that job in order to trade their time for money. They get their paycheck and then their paycheck immediately goes to payments. And that's the stuff that really hurts me and hurts me for other people is they don't quite understand this really vicious cycle that they're in sometimes. And it's a, 
it's not always a choice. I don't want to say it's a choice to be in these cycles, but sometimes our decisions do impact the lifestyle that we live. It it definitely can. And so that's one of those reasons why I'm so passionate about being anti-personal debt because it gives you the freedom to take back control of your biggest resource, which is your time. It gives you permission to say, if you have a very, very minimal financial life where you don't have a ton of payments, you don't have like an exaggerated life, you don't have to, you're not, no one's forcing you to work as much. Like you may not need to work as much. And I think that's the really, really powerful thing. And that's why I tend to be very anti-debt is because I want you to have as much time as possible, not as much money as possible. It's that time piece. I want you to be able to choose however you want to spend your time. And if that is working 40 hours in a job you hate to pay for a lifestyle, that's cool. If that's how you want to spend your time, that's awesome. But I think for most of us, that's not how we want to spend our time. We know there's better ways to spend our time and it isn't necessarily just trading it for stuff, like going to work to just pay for the house and the car. Like that sucks. That's not a good way to live all the time. Okay. Huge caveat here. I understand that even saying that does come from kind of a place of privilege really, where it's like, I have the choice to work less hours. So I understand how that could be perceived. So please, again, take this as a grain of salt. This is general advice. I'm speaking to the people that typically listen to the show are middle class Americans, middle to upper class Americans that are doing okay with their finances. They aren't really struggling just to buy groceries necessarily. So do keep in mind that when I'm talking about these topics, it is very sensitive and it is mostly geared towards the people that are the majority listening to this show. So just please keep that in the back of my mind. If you're struggling with your finances and you do have to work 40 hours plus in a job that you hate in order to pay for groceries, I very much get that. And that is not the message. Like, I don't want you to feel like I'm beating you up over that. It's more for the people that are making decisions differently that have the ability to change things. So I just had to say that. Another fun hack that I really, I like to use in my own life that helps me really put things into perspective from trading my time for money is I will often equate whatever my yearly salary is. I'll equate that into an, an hourly basis. So whatever you make, say you make $50,000 per year, take 50,000 divided by two. And that tells you roughly how much uh, you make per hour. So 50,000 divided by two is 25 bucks per hour. So if that's the case, I like to say every hour that I spend at work, I'm getting $25. So if I were to go out to eat to a really average restaurant and like get a mediocre meal because I didn't really prepare and I just was doing it out of convenience and I spent say $50, I have to work two hours of my life in order to pay for that meal. And then I can ask myself, is it worth it? Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But I think when you start to really understand that you do, you trade your time for money every single day you have the ability to say, is this important to me? Or is this something that I could maybe be a little bit more conscientious of and really start to guard more closely? The next tip for helping you become a financial minimalist is to always ask yourself, how can I make things simple? What would my life look like if it were more simple from a financial perspective? What would that look like? Almost any time that I ask myself this, I often do this in my business too, of what would this look like if it were easy? What would it look like if this was simple? And it really gives me a lot of clarity and helps me refocus on the things that truly matter instead of feeling like I have to do all the things in all areas of my life. It gets me down to that basics. And so anytime you're feeling overwhelmed, ask yourself, what can I do to make this more simple? 
how do I approach it so that I'm not so overwhelmed? I'm not so stressed out. And it's a little bit easier for me to manage and to mentally grasp. That one always seems to help me quite a bit. So let's move on to the next one. And this is to remind yourself that you don't need to reward yourself by spending. You seriously don't. Like we don't have to buy something in order to reward ourselves. If stuff made you happy, you'd be happy. I love that so much because it always reminds me that I don't have to buy that stuff. I don't have to go buy the new car just because I graduated college. Like what a weird way to look at that stuff. I have to take out more debt in order to prove that I did something cool. Like it just didn't really sit well with me when I actually thought about it truly. You know what I mean? I hear that all the time though, because I do teach personal finance to college students. And that is one of the most common things I hear is like, oh, I'm going to buy a sweet car when I graduate. I'm like, oh, just think through, you know, what does that car cost you? Because remember, it costs you time. You have to go to work now to pay for that car. And that dictates a lot of things that you do in your life. But one of the ways that I want you to think through the spending piece is if you enjoy spending, if that makes you happy, like some pieces of it, there's ways that you can creatively do this stuff too. So for example, I like spending money on furniture. I like decorating and I like that creative side of it. I just think it's a ton of fun. So one of the ways that I do this is I will definitely buy furniture and I will either fix it up or I will flip it. And so furniture flipping has been a way for me to fulfill that kind of creative spending side that I like to do, but also make money. So it doesn't come at the expense of my financial goals. It actually helps me achieve my financial goals. So I would encourage you to think through that piece too of, is there a way that you can combine your your joy of spending on certain areas and make money from it. If you love clothes, maybe you can set up your Poshmark account and start to sell some clothes. Like there's different ways of doing this stuff and it doesn't fit for every area, but there, there could be a way that you can monetize that passion or that, that enjoyment. So anyway, just a thought there too. The next tip is probably one of the more difficult ones, and that is to frequently check in with your emotions and learn how to control them. Part of becoming a financial minimalist is, again, making things simple and intentional. That simplicity and that intentionality usually comes down to learning to control our emotions, learning when to say yes and when to say no, and learning to stick out a goal because something down the road is even more important to you and cutting out all the other stuff. Sometimes it's exerting willpower. That's not always easy, but those are the things that really do matter. And it does mean checking in with your emotions and learning how to control them. Emotions I have found as a coach usually show up very distinctly in our spending. So I'm not going to give other people's examples, but I'll give you a couple examples of me, myself, and I. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I haven't had nearly enough coffee, so I'm doing my best here. But usually whenever I feel insecure about myself, I'm getting like super personal here. But if I feel like I don't look my best physically and I'm not happy about my body or my physical appearance, whatever it might be, I notice that my desire to shop increases significantly. Like I will legit browse the internet. I will buy stuff I don't need. Like I have to be very, very aware of this because whenever I'm feeling insecure, my tendency is to try to make myself look better by buying nicer clothes or by buying clothes in general or somehow updating my appearance or buying makeup. Like that's my tendency. That really is. And I'm just being honest. That's how I tend to think when I'm going through those emotions. I've also noticed too, that when I spend too much time on social media, maybe I'm looking at decorating accounts. I have this deep unsettled feeling of wanting to buy home decor or wanting to remodel or wanting to buy a different home. 
I've noticed that it's a direct correlation. The more time I spend on social media, generally speaking, the more I want to buy things. And I've noticed that, and I've noticed how my emotions play a part of that. And ultimately I've learned to control them. I am by no means perfect, by no means. Sometimes I give into those emotions and most times I don't. Most times I've learned to just accept it and to just acknowledge this is what's happening and just move forward. Another one, maybe a little bit personal, but for all my ladies listening in, whenever it's that time of the month for me, I go through some crazy emotions from that perspective too. I experience a lot of self-doubt. I experience a lot of just general emotions of like, oh, I feel like crap. I don't look good, blah, blah, blah. That triggers emotions in me that sometimes makes me want to spend. Again, maybe like TMI for sure for some people, but that's a real thing. Those hormones can sometimes trigger some really crappy financial decisions too, or it makes me lazy and makes me not want to go and prepare all my food. So instead I will be more tempted to go eat out and opt for convenience during that time, but that's predictable. And I have set up some systems in my life that prevent that from taking over my life and for me sabotaging my goals. So you have to get very, very in tune with your emotions and what specifically that looks like for you and how it shows up. The next big tip that I have for becoming a financial minimalist tip number seven is to simplify your management process. I noticed that when I was managing my money, what I think was at my best, when I was like kicking butt with money, I was making the most progress on my debt. I was feeling the most in control and self-aware is when I was budgeting in a small notebook and tracking my spending. There was no spreadsheets. There was no budget apps. It was a small notebook. It was basically free. It was super, super simple. And it had zero barriers to entry. All I had to do was just write stuff down and create a basic budget for my income and my expenses from this paycheck. Here's what bills I have to pay from the next paycheck. Here's what bills I'm going to pay. This is how much I'm putting towards my debt. It was the most basic of basic budgets ever. And that is when I felt the most in control. I think sometimes when it comes to our management process, we overcomplicate it. We think that technology is the solution when sometimes you have to get down to what's the most simple form this can be. How do I remove any barriers so that I just get started? And for a lot of times, for a lot of people, it's just grabbing that notebook and starting to plan. Like you don't need sophisticated budget apps. You don't need fancy spreadsheets. Those are cool and they're helpful, but they are 100% not necessary. So if you're using that as an excuse of like, oh, I haven't found the right spreadsheet, that's a bullshit excuse you're telling yourself. Grab a notebook, write down your numbers. Like that is a budget and that works super, super well. Track your spending, but simplify that management process because that is seriously where you're gonna get some really good results is when you just take that action instead of the excuse of like, I haven't found the right system yet. Just dive in and try it out. And I'm going to step off my soapbox now because I get very passionate about that. A lot of times we think that technology is going to solve all of our life's problems and that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes that simplicity and just having a notebook and writing down some expenses is really, truly all you need. Okay. That reminds me, my next tip is going to sound counterintuitive to the first one. So bear with, but it's to automate the heck out of everything. So keep in mind that automating your savings, your retirement, your bill pay, your grocery delivery, all of that type of automation, it takes the pressure off of you having to make that choice. Now, budgeting needs to be something that you are in control of. I don't want technology to automate that for you. I want you to be the one that determines here's where my money goes, here's where my dollars go. So notice that's why these two are very, very different. 
Yes, automating uses technology. Management does not use technology. It uses you saying this is what's important to me. So it's slightly different. But if you have the ability, definitely automate those things. Your savings goals, your retirement goals, your bill pay, and your grocery delivery. It's a really great thing to automate. It really does save you a ton of time. And remember, time is that one resource we don't get more of. So anything we can do to guard our time is going to be hugely beneficial from a financial simplicity and a financial minimalist perspective. Tip number nine to becoming a financial minimalist is to find ways to experience joy that are below your means and in line with your three core values. The three core values is so critical. I think sometimes we think we have five core values and realistically we don't. There's a few things that are truly important to us and usually that's about it. We kind of justify and say everything's important, but if you get down to the root of it, it's really not the case. There's a few areas that are truly important to you and these are unique to you. They evolve over time, but it's important to be able to find ways to experience joy within those values and that are truly below your means. So let me give you a couple personal examples. My core values, these are for me as of right now is health, adventure, and financial security health, adventure, financial security. These are the three things at the end of the day that are the most important to me. And a lot of people, they hear that and they're like, well, wait, what about your family? Isn't your family? My family is super, super important to me, but my family fits into these different areas for me. So it's not really something I have to actively prioritize because I incorporate that into my life so well, it's already integrated into these three core values for me. So one of the ways that I love getting my adventure fix, that's it brings me a ton of joy. It truly does. I'm a very adventurous person. I'm a deeply unsettled person. I have the wandering foot where I won't, is that even what they call it? I don't even know, but I'm always wanting to go to different countries and I'm going, looking for new experiences. Like that sense of adventure runs very deep in my soul. And one of the ways that I've been able to experience a sense of adventure is through backpacking and hiking. Like these are simple at this stage for me, very, very inexpensive because I already have the equipment, but it's a very simple budget-friendly way for me to get out there to fit well within my budget and to get that sense of adventure. Seeing some new beautiful alpine lakes, hiking wherever the heck it might be, it brings me so much joy and it gives me a lot of peace of mind too. So that's a very, very important thing for me and it directly aligns with my core value of adventure and health. The other thing too is for financial security, one of the ways that I experience joy, which is going to sound super, super nerdy, is to check my investment accounts. And I like to see those numbers grow. I get a lot of joy from seeing how my investments play out over time. And that that gives me so much joy and peace of mind knowing that I can take care of myself and I'm okay. It really does mean a lot to me. And that's one of those ways where I started to train my brain to be more excited about saving money than spending money. And it took years, but it's something that I have done that has really helped me and really aligns with that, that value of financial security. So cheesy, but it actually does work for me. And this is where a lot of the creativity and resourcefulness comes into play, where you can start to find little experiments and you can do little things in your life that teach you what does bring you joy and what really didn't bring you as much joy. So there could be, maybe you get as much joy from a weekend adventure as you do a one week vacation on the beach. Who knows? Like maybe you would rather take lots of mini weekend trips or like four day weekends instead of like one extended vacation. It, it's so dependent on you. You have to experiment and you have to learn 
where, where do you get that same level of joy without breaking the bank? Like, what is that line for you? And then ultimately, does it align with your core values? It's so, so critical to do that. Which leads me to our last and final tip for becoming a financial minimalist. And that is to set up barriers between you and the habits that are no longer serving you, that aren't in line with your values and aren't helping you achieve your, your best self. One of those things could be if you find yourself spending money by going out to eat every single day, leave your card at home. Just set that habit of, I don't carry my debit card with me. I don't carry a credit card with me. I don't bring that stuff with me. And so usually what happens is you're like, yeah, but what if I didn't meal prep and I don't have lunch? You're not going to die from not eating lunch one day, but it's going to teach you to really honor your, your commitments to yourself. And sometimes you have to do that. I remember one time I, I set a grocery budget and I was maybe a little bit aggressive with it because I ran out of money about a week before the month got over. And I'm like, frick, I don't have any money for groceries. What am I supposed to do? And I had to look in my pantry. I had to get creative. I had to go through my freezer and I had to just cook what I had. And you know what? I survived. Was it fun? Absolutely not. But it was me honoring my commitments to myself. And that was a barrier between me and a bad habit. I didn't do that again the next month. I was a lot more intentional about watching my budget but I could have easily gave myself permission to just spend extra money because I ran out of groceries, but instead I wanted to, to really honor that for myself. And so that was a barrier that I personally set up between me and a bad habit that I was hopefully not getting into the habit of, but I did do it a couple of times and it, it, it taught me a lesson. It really did. Another barrier that a lot of people will, will use to help them between themselves and the bad habits is the cash envelope system. So I've heard mixed reviews on this. Some people, the cash system works really well for them. Some people, it feels like free money and it doesn't really resonate with them. So it totally depends on you and your personality type. You have to use a little bit of your best judgment here. And sometimes you have to try it and see if it works for y'all. But the cash envelope system is basically setting up envelopes for, I would suggest this for most of the areas that are variable expenses, groceries, eating out, entertainment, stuff like that, where it's not necessarily, I would never put my rent or my mortgage money in an envelope. Like to me, that's way too much money sitting there. That would freak me out. But groceries and eating out and entertainment are great ones to do for this. And so for some people, again, it doesn't work for everyone, but for some people, that money, seeing that money go away, it triggers a sense of scarcity where it's like, holy crap, I need to honor this money. I need to, it almost hurts when you spend cash sometimes. And that's kind of the theory behind it is that when you spend cash, it triggers a pain sensor in your brain and it makes you pay attention differently. Again, not always for everybody. I've heard people say the exact opposite where when they swipe their card, it actually hurts them more than spending cash. So again, test this to see if that is a good barrier for you. But you have to get creative with those barriers between you and the habits that aren't serving you. That is 100% up to you to determine what's going to work for you. But there's a lot of creative flexibility and a lot of resourcefulness that goes with that. So I hope that that one helps you or at least inspires you in some way to figuring out how can you implement this into your own life. All right, my friends, that is it. Those are 10 tips to helping you become more of a financial minimalist. And more than anything, it's about intentionality and simplicity. And some of these tips may not resonate with you as we talked about, but I know there's at least one that did trigger something in you. And so I want you to go take action on that one thing today. Just one thing. Go through these tips and figure out which one you're going to start implementing directly into your life so that you can simplify your life. And more than anything, guard that time 
and have a little bit more peace of mind. That's what I want for us all. Sounded like a little bit of a rhyme, don't you think? Guard that time, get that peace of mind. Anyways, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure you tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. And let me know that you're listening in and that this episode resonated with you. If you enjoyed it and you think somebody else would, do me the biggest favor and share it with them. That's one of the biggest compliments you can give me is just by helping this podcast get in front of more people and to touch more people's lives. That's really what I'm working on is helping people live a better life with less and building wealth. That's the important part there too. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you. I hope you're having a great Wednesday and I will see you on Friday for five tip Friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast. Bye.